This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 12. This is Writing Excuses, writing the other Latinx representation. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Tempest. I'm Dong Wan. And I'm Julia. Awesome. This is the second in our awesome Writing the Other series where we give you the tools that you need as an author to uh, write about other cultures and other people that are different than yourself. And we today have the wonderful Julia Rios with us. Can you tell us about yourself? Yes. Uh, my father is uh, was from Mexico. He's no longer with us. He grew up in Yucatan, and then he immigrated to the United States and married my mother, who is a white woman from California. So I am half Mexican, Mexican-American, to choose your choice. Uh, and I am a writer. I'm an editor. I'm a podcaster and a narrator. Primarily, I edit fiction for Fireside Magazine, and I write short stories and flash fiction in the form of text messages for an app called Flash Read under the name Julie Rivera. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. Fancy. Well, awesome. We are excited to have you here. Um, please tell us what we're going to be talking about today, and let's start with the word Latinx, because that's actually the first time I've ever heard it pronounced out loud, and I haven't known exactly how to say it, and I know a lot of our listeners might not know what it means. Okay. Um, it's really funny, because once I was on a panel about it, and we spent most of the panel, all of the Latinx people participating, trying to decide how to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> we all, the four of us, settled on Latinx, but it's unclear to us that that is correct, so... 100% correct. There are probably other opinions available, but roughly Latinx, we think, is is a good choice. Uh, I and four other people, at least, and no one has <laughs> challenged me on that yet. <laughs> it is a catch-all term for people who have a Latin American heritage. Um, there are very many different labels, and we could have a really long conversation about that, so I don't really want to get into it, but that means people from North America, Central and South America, places where Spain came and conquered and colonized. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of mixed race people, which definitely I fit in with that. My heritage is going to be some European and some uh, of the indigenous Mayan ancestry. Cool. And, and the, the, the word itself comes from, if I'm not mistaken, in Spanish, we have Latino and Latina, yes. which is gendered because of the yes. way Spanish functions. So, so because Spanish is a gendered language to try to not default to male, which is the sort of old-fashioned way of saying, like, if one enters a room, he must pick up his glass of water, and we don't really use that mm -hmm. anymore. And some, so instead of saying he or he or she, we've moved to they often in English, and Latinx is the inclusive word that includes everyone across the gender spectrum. Awesome. Cool. So, well, the uh, like, like I said, the, the purpose of this series is to give people tools of how they can do this right. So what are some things that people can do when they are writing about Latinx people that they can to, to do it right, to do it well? Yes. I okay. should say well instead of right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is there are many ways to be Latinx and there's no one right way and there's no umbrella term. And also there are always going to be mistakes. No one's ever going to be 100% perfect. So understand that you will make mistakes and that's okay. That's part mm -hmm. of the process. Uh, but one of the things that I think can be hard to realize when you're looking at a culture and you say, oh, Latinx people, we need more Latinx rep, is 
it, it's easy to think of that as one thing. I am Mexican. That's one country. And I'm Mexican-American, so I have a different experience than people who are living in Mexico. And within Mexico, there are thousands of microcultures depending on where you live, which state you live in, which city you live in. Are you in a rural area? Are you in a city? All of these things inform your experience and your cultural heritage. And that's just within Mexico. And in the United States, we have a big diaspora of people from all kinds of countries and places like Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Central and South America, Mexico, Cuba. And depending on where you are in the States, you're more likely to have a high population of one kind of person. Like in South Florida, you'll have a lot of Cubans because Cuba is right there. Um, in New York, there are a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. In California, there are a lot of Mexicans. So it kind of, those things can inform some of your Latinx population in, in the United States. But also, it includes everyone in Canada, South America, North America, anyone who is coming from those countries and then settled in, in these areas. So there are a lot of different people, and that's the first thing to realize. When you're going to set out to write a Latinx character, ask yourself, where do they live? How did they get there? What's their family's story? And how did they grow up? Did they grow up as a fully assimilated American? Because that can be a very different experience than growing up as a first-generation immigrant whose first language was Spanish and they didn't start learning English until they were nine and they crossed the border. And then also, who, who is their family? What kinds of traditional foods do they eat and when do they eat them? What kinds of relationships do they have with their families? And remember that all of these people are people just like you. You have a lot of complex experiences in your life. Your ways of operating at school would be different from your ways of operating when you're at your grandmother's house for a formal dinner. And I think we call that term code switching. Code switching. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was getting at. And so when you think about all of these things and you realize that people... People from all over the place have different things informing who they are. So your traditional foods for Thanksgiving might be very different from your neighbor across the street, depending on how they've grown up and where they've grown up and what their family's story is. So that would be the first thing that I think it's important to— I have a particular fascination with immigrant mashup foods, where like weird American and then whatever immigrant culture they're coming from get all crossed over together. Yes. Um, Like not Latinx, obviously, but my family would eat pickles with spaghetti and— Uh, just because it was like looking for that little <laughs> bit of like kimchi-like thing, I think. <laughs> Anyways, no, so cool. this is this is totally a thing. So we had um, we had a foreign exchange student for a while. My mother was taking a lot of foreign exchange students. We had one from Thailand, and uh, she got to the United States and didn't know what to do with our food at all. She just was just, this is completely foreign to me. And then she discovered ketchup, and she was like, "This is a sauce that you put on things." So she just put it on everything, and it became like the thing. And we were like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Well, I have to have." Something that gives it a flavor. This is the American flavor. I will now put it on all my food. <laughs> oh, the American flavor. Yeah. And, and what's ketchup. great about that is she's not wrong. No, no, she's not wrong. just how she's choosing to eat her food. And exactly. Different, exactly. different uh, immigrant cultures and immigrant families all have their own style of changing the way that they act. Yeah. And while also kind of staying true to where they came from. Yeah. But there's so many Latin American cultures where the, there's that iconic sauce, whether it's chimichurri, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But yeah, yeah, and what your what your family's traditional foods are will make a big difference. So um, 
for me, uh, right now we are on the Writing Excuses cruise and we just spent a day in Cozumel, which is very close to where my family lives in Yucatan. And so the food here is very similar to what I grew up eating. And that was very exciting because I got to go and ha have some of the foods that reminded me of my childhood, like ceviche and fish that's grilled in achiote, which is a Spanish or a Mexican spice. I get kind of confused about my languages because I've been speaking both of them mm -hmm. today. <laughs> um, and... And these things are traditional to me, so they make me very happy. They feel like home. Also here, pretty much all throughout uh, um, Latin America, which is a really weird term, but that means anywhere that Spanish people came and did conquests, um, <laughs> there you'll find dishes with rice and beans, but everybody presents it slightly differently. Mm -hmm. So the, the kinds of rice and beans that you'll get in Yucatan are similar in some ways to the rice and beans that you'll get in places like Cuba and different from the rice and beans that you'll get in northern Mexico, which is what most United States Americans will associate with Mexican food. Um, here, the beans are black beans that are in a sort of paste, and it sort of looks like chocolate pudding. When I was six and I visited, I thought it was chocolate pudding, and I was very disappointed the first time I tried it, and then I realized it was super yummy, and I stopped being disappointed. But the first time, I was like, this is not chocolate pudding. <laughs> Somebody tricked me. It's beans. <laughs> but that was something that I got to eat, and it was very comforting. Someone who is from a different culture will have a very different style of beans that they consider comforting. And mm -hmm. that's, that's one of those details, that if you decide where your character is from and what they grew up eating— you can you can think about like what's comforting to them, and the same way that you'll have your own comfort foods. For me, as growing up in California as a very assimilated American, and also with Mexican heritage, I have these Mexican comfort foods, and then I also love mashed potatoes. They're my favorite. Mm -hmm. I have eaten mashed potatoes every day on this ship. I go to the Windjammer before dinner <laughs> to get mashed potatoes. That's that great. makes sense to me. I feel that that is a correct choice. Um, I'm wondering though, in terms of thinking about you know, making your character very spe specific when it comes to their culture. Like, what kind of Latinx person are they? Um, how does intersectionality play into this? Ooh, intersectionality plays a big role. Um, intersectionality is the idea that everyone has more than one thing that informs their identity. And so often we talk about these in terms of marginalization. So you could be Latinx and disabled or Latinx and queer. I am both of those things. So that's exciting. Um, but... There are also just a lot of different things that you can be. I had a conversation with a woman in a shop today when I, uh, when I was buying something, and she was surprised that I knew something about what I was buying. And I said, well, it was because my father was from Yucatan. And we made a connection, and she said she was from Yucatan, and she told me some of her heritage. And then she wanted to exchange the kinds of mixtures that we were. So she mm -hmm. was... She was a, a mixed-race person from Yucatan, and she wanted to explain exactly how. And then she was asking me, like, who I was and wanted to know who my parents were and what kind of, what kind of people had formed me. Um, this is the kind of thing that was important to her and is important to a lot of people here because they want to make that connection with you and they want to see where we can be together um, because we recognize that we're also very different. So she she's has other identity things that don't match up with mine. We're mm -hmm. both mixed race, but we have different things. And the intersection of those things makes us who we are. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. 
They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's awesome. Let's uh, pause here a little late for our <laughs> book of the week. No, that's okay, because this was super cool. Um, what is our book of the week, Julia? Our book of the week is Sal and Gabby Break the Universe by Carlos Hernandez. It's a wonderful middle grade novel, and it's by uh, it's through the Rick Riordan Presents from Disney Hyperion. And it is about a boy named Sal, and he... Breaks the universe. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> I just, I want you to go and read this book. Also, it will make you very, very hungry for Cuban food, specifically oh, yes. Cuban oh, yes, food. Really and does. I brought this book because I got to beta read it, and I know it's deliciously wonderful. I keep waiting for the whole world to get it so I can make everyone read it and squee about it with them. But also specifically because 
Carlos has written a character that is Cuban-American, and it's a very specific culture that he's dug into. That's um, also his own cultural mm-hmm. identity. But uh, you get a lot of the details of how he interacts with the world, and some of them overlap with my experience, and some of them are very different because Cuban-Americans have a different experience than Mexican-Americans. So I, I recommend it for those specific details. Well, awesome. That is Sal and Gabby Break the Universe by Carlos Hernandez, and it is available now, so go out and look for it. Um, I also, talk- it'll make yes. you laugh really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cry just oh, a little bit. Oh, I cry. Bit. It will totally laugh make you cry. and cry but and be hungry. It'll, it'll be really good, The entire good, gamut of human emotion <laughs> contained in this middle-grade novel. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of specificity because mm-hmm. it's very important. That's one of the things that we hear a lot is that if you try to portray a culture or a group very broadly, you'll end up getting a lot of things wrong Mm -hmm. and offending a lot of people. And when you zero in on one very specific culture or even one very specific family, then it's actually even more relatable in a lot of ways. But, and I want to tell this story because this is one that I did wrong. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I've got a, uh, my Mirador series is about, it's a cyberpunk trilogy, YA from Harper and the main character is Mexican-American. And I lived in Mexico for a few years. And I thought, I can do this. I've got this. I'm going to do this right. And the Mexican-American community has not really picked up the book. And I was wondering why. And then I came to Mexico where the book is huge. And what I realized is that I was portraying a very Mexican family and doing it in a way where they felt seen and they felt this is us. You have portrayed us in your book. And the Mexican-American community didn't feel that because I was not doing them. I was portraying Mexico. And so being specific is very important. Um, what, what can people do to, uh, to portray these kind of cultures and people very specifically? So the first thing that I would recommend that you do is think about who specifically is your character and what their family is like because I don't think it's coming from one specific culture will give you enough. Like I'm Mexican, but I know a lot of other Mexican people who have very different experiences. And part of that is my family going back to intersectionality. I have within my family, people who are Muslim, people from Afghanistan, people who have come from a lot of different places. And so when we have Thanksgiving dinner, I always love to ask people what they eat at Thanksgiving dinner because families bring out their favorite foods. And when we would have Thanksgiving dinner growing up, we would often have turkey and mashed potatoes, but also like Afghan rice with raisins in it. And that's something that we would have because I had people from Afghanistan in my family. So your character is going to have a very specific family. And that's not something that you would associate necessarily with a Mexican experience, Mm -hmm. but it was my experience and I'm a Mexican-American. And your character is going to have a lot of specific things like that. And they're going to have specific things that are Mexican-American. And one thing you can do is go to a Mexican restaurant and ask the people who work there where they're actually from. Sometimes they're from Mexico and sometimes they're not um, because they know that selling Mexican food, if they look Latinx, is the best way to make a restaurant successful in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
if you ask them and they say they're from Mexico, ask them what part of Mexico and find out a little bit more about that. I don't want you to bother the restaurant people too much. But, like, <laughs> but usually they'll be happy to tell you what, what region or what town. And if they do, go home and like look that up and find out what, what makes the food taste like what it is. And think about like, oh, okay, that's, that's an interesting thing. Can you think about what, what those things that they might have carried with them, what comforting memories they might have brought and how those things would mesh with where you live now. If you live in the middle of Indiana and your Mexican restaurant is run by people from Guadalajara, they might really like corn in very different ways <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very cool. This is all very food-based, I feel like. <laughs> well, this is because food is a really big part of culture, especially in, <laughs> especially really in Latinx true. culture. Yeah, but also, like, I, I love the emphasis that you have on family because I feel mm. that... I mean, especially when it comes to YA novels. And I know that with YA, like, the whole thing is to, like, get the parents out of the way so the kids can go on and have a dangerous adventure. But, you know, it was, it, it just never seemed to be, like, my experience that I would be able to, like, escape my parents to that point. <laughs> and, and not necessarily even wanting to escape my parents or my family or my cousins or whatever. Um, I really love uh, Guadalupe Garcia McCall's oh, books. And yeah. one of the things I love about it is that it's about like families together dealing with issues. And I feel like, you know, that's another thing that in, in some cultures, that kind of family togetherness is not necessarily emphasized. But in Guadalupe's, it is. And I, be- yeah. I believe she is Mexican. She, Guadalupe is Mexican-American and mm-hmm. uh, she lives in Texas. She wrote a book called Summer of the Mariposas. It's wonderful. It's a YA uh, it's a YA retelling of the Odyssey by Homer, but starring four sisters who have to go rescue their father, and they go on a quest the same way Odysseus does, and they run into some of Odysseus's kinds of monsters, but in Mexico, mm-hmm. and so they cross the border and they go into Mexico to rescue their father from someone, and it uses loteria cards, which are a very specific Mexican game that I grew up with. A lot of Mexican Americans will have grown up with. And it's very specific to this family and their experience of living in a border town and of having had their parents come from Mexico and having that specificity that they have within the home. So I think that's a really great example of using specific culture. Mm -hmm. And it is such a great book, too. So you'll get two books of the week this time. (laughs) Um, And one of the ways to get this level of specificity and to do it well is, is like you said, to talk to people. You know, Mm -hmm. be polite about it. But talk to people and find out where they're from and who they are and what they like and what they don't like, what they've brought with them, what they miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that that's kind of the homework that you're going to be giving us, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I think that? so. I, my homework originally was to be to write a scene about someone from a very specific culture and to to think about the things that inform who they are and, and what they like. Um and I think if I had had like an hour, I would have gotten into other things that weren't food. But since I primarily <laughs> talked about food, I want you to write a scene where people are eating a meal. And it could be any meal. It could be a holiday meal or it could be just a regular meal. It could be a fast food meal. But I want you to think about your character and who they are and where they're from, how they feel about this food and why they feel that way. And how does that inform the conversation that they're having over their meal or their thoughts as they're having it if they're alone or whatever. And this could be anywhere. This could be in your fantasy world. This could be on a space station, whatever. But it will definitely inform who they are. And I want you to think about that and write that eating a meal scene for me. That sounds fantastic. Make us hungry as well while you're doing it. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Julia. Um, And uh, obviously, Don Juan and Tempest as well. 
This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.